guys, it's Steve Douglas. I am a new media teacher at Lake Forest High School, and you are listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I also live in Lake Forest with my co-host, Scoo Walker. Scoo, how you doing? Doing good, Pete. How are you today? Oh, absolutely fantastic. A little overcast today. Overcast, please. You, you got a little tan going there. That's nice. I wonder if you play golf at all. Okay, okay we got a sponsor for <laughs> Not the <good>. show. <laughs> I just said play. <laughs> That's true. Sponsor for the show is NeuroNoodle. Hey, parents of athletes, your kids get a physical every year, right? Well, include a brain map so you have a baseline to compare it to in case something happens. It only takes 20 minutes to get the data you need to know if your athletes should get back on the field. NeuroNoodle.com. Scoo, you know who NeuroNoodle could be insured by? Dakota Insurance Group. They've always got your back. Ask for Pam, right, Scoo? <laughs> exactly. Okay, one of the things we like to do here at Lake Forest Podcast is shed some light on local peeps doing some good things here in town. We are joined today by Steve Douglas, new media production teacher at Lake Forest High School. Let's chat with Steve and find out how his summer break is going on so far. Steve, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, is it okay if I'm coming from Lake Bluff? Is that all right? Is that, <laughs> yeah, is that okay. okay or is it just Lake Forest? <laughs> what do you think? Lake Bluff is yeah. fine. No, we, we, we like Lake Bluff peeps. Okay, good. All right, well, let's continue then, yeah. No, Thanks. things are good. How's break going? You, you heading out somewhere? Uh, yeah, so uh, so summer break for teachers. It uh, doesn't really happen as everyone kind of dreams and has this vision of a Disney time. Uh, we're always doing stuff, and especially after the last year, year and a half, uh, there's a lot of professional development that's happening, trying to figure out what we learned, and there's a lot that we learned in the last year and a half. Uh, and then I also... I personally do a lot of professional work. Uh, so I teach new media, which is video production. And so I have the opportunity to be able to do that uh, and to be able to work with some great community folks. Uh, I do a lot of work for nonprofits during the summer. So I've been up in North Chicago with Renew Communities telling the stories of the amazing work that they're doing. They're putting uh, residents from North Chicago into houses that they can have long-term, not the rental situation, which is about 60 or 70%, but they're pushing more home ownership. They're working with the mayor, working with a lot of people there to do some amazing work. And so I get to come alongside and tell their story. And it's one of the things I love to do to be able to take the craft that I get to teach throughout the year and to be able to continue to master my um, craft and to be able to uh, give back as well. So that's one part of it. Uh, I also, during the summer, I work with uh, We Make Movies out of LA and I have been for the last four years. Uh, and so they do all kinds of incredible initiatives around the world. Uh, and so I get to partner with a guy named Sam Messman, uh, who I met years ago, and he is doing some amazing stuff. So we uh, run Chicago Summer Stories uh, together. Uh, last year, we ventured back to my hometown in St. Louis. So St. Louis Summer Stories down there. And then in August, we're going to do a virtual one all across Latin America with uh, Orphan Starfish, which is an incredible mission from a guy out in uh, the East Coast who helps orphans be able to kind of move through um, oftentimes really troublesome situations um, where they oftentimes will be uh, human trafficked or, you know, drug situations, and they give them skills and tools to be able to get out of that and to be able to really, truly start their life again. So I get to come along and be able to teach them some skills of how to be able to tell stories visually, 
uh, how to be able to do social media marketing, do other elements that really give them a hope and a chance to change their lives. So I get to do some really cool stuff during the summer. Uh, it's not much of a break. Uh, and then I start soccer, coach sophomore boys in the fall, and that starts early August. So that whole summer break thing is, is a bit dispelled. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that. Stu, uh, we, we, we've just had another person on the show who we're going to have to stand in line to uh, going to heaven. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> break? <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, I do. Steve doesn't take a break. He's always on the go. So, And now you two well, know each other, right? We do. Oh, yeah. uh, we get to spend the, the fall and the winter together. Uh, Stu does an awesome job supporting uh, the athletics. He's the voice, uh, the PA around uh, basketball and football. Uh, as well as other elements, senior nights, he's always there. That's when we know it's a big moment when Scoo shows up. <laughs> it's super great. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things. I'm also the varsity girls soccer coach and so, or the assistant. So when he comes for senior night, it's like, ooh, all right, this is going to be fun. So the flags come out and Scoo comes here? in. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, but we've been on the sidelines together for a really long time. So this is going to be my 17th year at the high school coming up in the fall. And so we've wow. seen a lot of really good football. We've seen some incredible runs. Uh, actually, I'm curious, Goo, your favorite. Mine, it goes back to the amazing semifinal run in 11, I guess, right? 2011, where that team was kind of like, well, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to do this? And then they just put an incredible run together with kind of, you know, Tommy Reese had just moved on, and it was one of those groups that like, right. got to find their identity and super hey, fun. But Owen Williams, was that that class? Yes, that, ran through everybody. That was yep, amazing, amazing. But they just came together, right? It was like a team. Oh, yeah. It was a true team. And it didn't have the star-studded kind of groups that we've had in the past, you know, the big names. And it was right. fun to be able to see them. Yeah. And very disappointing when they lost because it that was the big one. Thought they were going to run it through there. And they did. They had a chance, right? Yeah. And then they run into those schools out west who just run triple <laughs> options down our throat. <laughs> and it's like, oh, here we go again. But, yeah, in basketball <laughs> as well, just thinking – Vogrich and Evan Boudreaux and all these different folks who've come through and uh, Scoo sits right in front of the broadcasters. So one of the cool parts of my job is I have students who want to be able to do this going forward. Connor Clark is a great name that everyone in this community, if you don't already know it, will know it. Uh, he is uh, going to be a sophomore at Nebraska and he has already jumped in and he is a professional, truly getting paid at the ESPN affiliate in Lincoln during school, but he took advantage fully of it. And so we have some broadcasters who then go to the live stream to be able to show that. And so you'll hear Scoo's voice of announcing it and then you'll hear the color <laughs> and out. everything else. So no, it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool combination, honestly. Uh, I think it brings a lot of life to it um, for those who can't make it. For a lot of grandparents, like in Florida and Arizona, yeah. who listen in, it's just part of the fabric of what's happened. And it's been really cool to see that. And we've got other folks who are, coming in to fill the whole fill the shoes as we go forward so uh yeah there's no not a lot of downtime uh, there's a lot of a lot of resources <laughs> a lot of opportunity and our kids honestly it's really cool for them to be able to be part of a professional experience like that yeah it's kind of second to none and i gotta say it's pretty professional when you say that i mean it's you know compared to some other schools and all that you guys do a fantastic job well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that kids get to learn and try and kind of iterate, right? You don't see our first version. You don't see our second or third version sometimes when you when you see some things online. It's helping those kids understand, but giving them confidence, right? To be able to try those things and to be able to, to make it work. And then they find a passion and then they put the work into it on their own. And that's where they go from good to right. great. And that's where you guys see a lot of that, um, especially again, football, basketball, some of the sports work. Uh, it's a lot of fun to see them kind of catch that. And then they do all that work. So Connor doing 55 events 
over three years is just incredible. And really, truly, like nobody else is doing that uh, at the high school level. And so he went through the college process and I'm like, hey, you have to flip this, right? You've got incredible assets. It's like you're applying for a job, but you have a better resume than everybody else. And so I was like, walk in with confidence and say, hey, I can be an asset right away. And that's exactly what he did. He was calling women's basketball games like freshman year, first semester. And he was helping out and and incredible. And he's got the tool that his voice is, you know, spectacular. Yeah. A friend of mine, like they listened to him. They thought he was like an adult or somebody in their twenties and thirties. They had no idea. And so that is a gift. There's no question about that. So Steve, how does somebody take your class? Is it an elective? I'm from the city. I've only lived here three years. Scoo's been here forever. You've been here 17. How does somebody go about and take your class? Like I got a nephew that's going to be a senior at the high school. I'm going to say yeah. this, this Steve guy's pretty cool. You should check it out. What, how do they find out more about it? Yeah, no, thanks for, for mentioning it. Uh, it is an elective. So students, freshmen through senior can take the class. In fact, I have a lot of seniors who come in and they've been taking a lot of different classes and they don't have a lot of uh, space in their schedule. And then they come in and they're absolutely all-stars because they're able to kind of put the pieces together. They have a little bit more time to be able to do it. But yeah, it's, it's free and open to anybody who comes. A fun class. It's a break in the day for a lot of kids. So it's not a lot of pressure. But once they kind of get the bug, just like this, you want to keep yeah. doing it. Uh, and you guys, I know, started this not that long ago, and you're prolific, right? You're doing it all the time because it's fun. You get to meet people. you be able to connect. You get to collaborate. But new media, as people get into it, they realize it's way more than just kind of film production or social media storytelling, which you do get those skills. It really is uh, an amazing creative community uh, where you can kind of feel like you can be who you are. Again, a break in the day, so it's not nearly as stressful. Um, everything that we do in class, you can do during the time that we're together. So it's not a lot of pressure as much as it is just opportunity. And we have, uh, we've been blessed with a lot of resources and we're going to get to all the incredible alums who have now poured back into the program, which give students an opportunity to be able to see what it is to be a professional actor, obviously in Vince's case, but also a cinematographer who came back from LA. And then we have all of these folks who are doing this in advertising and marketing and various forms of communication. And so as our world continues to change, I believe new media is an essential skill. Because as AI comes in and automates a lot of jobs, it already has, right? What is it going to, what's the differentiation? It's how do you communicate? How do you talk to your audience and be able to move them from wherever it is, from a sales perspective, from whatever kind of learning, move them from here to there. And a lot of times, again, routine jobs or even higher level jobs. Like when I was in high school and college, they said, hey, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you're set for life. Right. And now I have a lot of disappointed friends who are doctors and lawyers who's their job, unless they're the very, very top has been automated. And so we have to kind of think forward. And that's kind of a unique position as a high school teacher. But that's what how I actively look at it. How can we best prepare our students for the future 10, 15, 20 years out? We have to have skills and give them skills that we know that no matter what happens with technology, they're going to be able to be successful and be the leaders in whatever space and place they're in. So I'm not preparing kids just to go to Hollywood. In fact, Vince and I had some great conversations about the changes in Hollywood. And I love that because that prepares and gives me more preparation for my students to kind of guide and find the right fit, not only in college, but also in career. So they're not frustrated. And so they can really be the most successful you know, person they can be with the skills that they've been given. So you mentioned Vince. Uh, I'm assuming Vince Vaughn, being the guy that's only lived here three years, uh, <laughs> He, I, I saw a post that you put up. He visited you. Can you give some background? All I know is what yeah. Facebook tells me, Steve. So that's yeah. why I'm asking you, what, what happened? 
And I'm glad you're a critical thinker and not just taking what Facebook tells you. That's good. Uh, that's part of what we teach as well. Media literacy, super important. Uh, yeah. So somebody called him Mr. Vaughn and it was just super awkward. So we call him Vince. Uh, not that we are super tight, but uh, yeah. it just kind of comes, comes more naturally. And really it speaks to how incredibly kind and how incredibly connected and present he was. I was blown away. So I met Vince four years ago. He came back for a big celebration we had for the program. Uh, and then he randomly texted me like five weeks ago. And honestly, I have no idea how he got my number. Not that it's like really hard to do, but I thought a kid was pranking me. Uh, and they're like, hey, what's going on? Just check it in. I was like, this is not true. Uh, and so he comes back oftentimes for the fourth uh, with his family just to be able to reconnect and comes to the, you know, the parade over in Lake Bluff. And, uh, and so he's got a daughter who's in fifth grade. And so he's like, hey, I was just looking at some of the, the local kind of film camp opportunities, you know, do anything about it. And I was like, actually, I don't because I've never done one of these summer programs here in the community um, just to kind of take a break and be able to do some things in other other areas and communities. And so uh, but I was like, hey, if you want to get involved, just let me know and we'd, I'd be happy to put this together. And so uh, the next morning at 8 a.m. his time, he texted me and he's like, I'm in. Let's do this. And I was like. Really? Uh, I was totally blown away and shocked. Um, so through about four phone conversations later, um, I realized he is an absolute advocate for education, loves it, wants to help, wants to give back and really do something truly kind of next level that can really impact kids. And so we totally aligned on kind of education, pedagogy, philosophy. And I was just like completely, I still am. It's still surreal. and I'm kind of in shock that this all even happened. Um, but he was so incredibly helpful, thoughtful, and really got into it. So he came in first day, and I paired him up with his uh, producing partner, uh, Paul Basie, uh, who um, so Vince graduated in 88 from the high school. And Paul Basie uh, was the guy who was in the basement of the school in telecom, which is what it used to be called. And he would be the one editing reel to reel and doing all the work and putting all this crazy, incredible stuff. Like their work still stands up to this day. I mean, it's really incredible. Yeah. They did something called <clears throat> LF Vice off of Miami Vice. And it was just like, wow, still to this day, we look back at it. And so Vince was acting and then Paul was uh, kind of the producer. And so then about, I think his jun late junior year, uh, senior year, then Vince joined in uh, on telecom and just experienced that community, really loved that. And he said, hey, I would love to get back and be able to continue to build into that. So by, you know, day one, he was there. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to be able to come back for an hour on Tuesday. I've got some other stuff to get to take care of. I'm like, totally fine. I really appreciate your time. Came back on Tuesday, stuck around for the full five hours. So we went from 10 wow. to three. And then that's when we knew we had him. And he came up and here we had a professional um, cinematographer, actually four for alums who are all professional cinematographers in the public room. So the most beautiful room at Lake Forest High School. And uh, they were going through shots and, and different setups. And then Vince starts directing. And it was the coolest thing in the world because mm -hmm. he was like, all right, talking to the kids, like literally fifth and sixth graders and yeah. talking about kind of, hey, let's set this up. What do you guys think about this? And like, it was next level. And the kids who, you know, they're, you know, they're 10, 11. How do they know Vince Vaughn? You know, not, not directly as we do. Right, right. And so right. he was just a really nice guy that clearly knew what he was doing. He, he was there with his 10 year old in his, in, you know, in his lap and it was super comfortable and it was just incredible the way he was able to connect and give feedback and to be able to encourage the kids. It was just phenomenal. So it was like this really unique mix of a dad who's truly caring, but also an absolute masterclass in like directing and acting that's been, you know, 40 years in the making in his career. Uh, and so for him to come back and give back, it was just, 
exceptional. And basically the next two weeks he was in, like he was calling me at <laughs> eight or nine in the morning. Hey, what do you think about this continuity project? What if we tried this and that, and this, that? I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world. Cause like, I'm a nerd in this, but he like knew yeah. even more about education stuff that I'd never heard of before. I'm like, this is insane. And then for him to think through the lens and he was super complimentary and really positive, but also like, Hey, let's try this. What do you guys think about, you know, if we, we worked on this skill and then that would build to that skill and truly thinking like a teacher. And it was the coolest thing, literally the peak of my kind of professional, you know, teaching career by far. That's awesome. You, you know, your class, in my, in my humble opinion, I mean, I don't think it should be an elective the way things are going with technology today. Kids should be required to do it. Acting, I think to, uh, how you appear in in the public, I think that that can help. I think that should be something that the kids should be, you know, have to go through personal finance. I mean, these are life skills. I mean, you're in the you're in the middle of it. When the kids take your class, Steve, what? Because you know, school and I are trying to get this podcast going with you know zero budget, zero production skills. What are the top three things that kids will uh, take away from your class when they when they go through it? Yeah, I think number one is just the confidence to be able to use that incredible device in your pocket to be able to tell stories well. So it's not about access to incredible technology, even though we are gifted with a lot of great cameras and other things, but it really isn't. It's about how do you functionally use the, you know, the camera. All kids grow up and they're doing TikToks, right? They're no there's zero innovation towards kind of creating, but they're just copying which by the way is a great first start, but then how do you create? How do you do something yeah. meaningful? You really have to think about your audience and that's where you start getting into more higher order thinking and some of the skills that we get to talk about and talk about why that movie, you really liked it or why that TV show and Netflix is binge worthy. Like we start to kind of deduce and break those things down so that kids can then create more meaningful you know, content. And that I think to your point is essential because they're already creating and they're already, you know, throwing stuff up there, but they're not really as thoughtful. And to be able to use these mediums that we have, which are so incredibly impactful, uh, again, like you said, it doesn't have to have a budget. You just want to put the time and make it better. And the more reps you do it, the better you get, just like I'm sure you guys could testify, right? This is way better than probably the first or the 36th or, or the 50th podcast. It's just a matter of you learn from your own experience. And that's the most valuable teacher. Uh, and that's the number two takeaway is that you, you can learn from what you do and it's a natural confidence build. It's not us sitting around lecturing. It's or me lecturing. In fact, I don't, I don't believe that's the best way to teach. Uh, and you know, studies tell us that, um, you learn from your own mistakes, you learn from experiences. So we do a lot of community-based work as well. So we go and during the pandemic, it was awesome. Uh, we had a project with a bunch of local businesses and going, Hey, COVID hit us hard. How are you now transitioning going into the winter, last winter? So we had Kittles, we had Donati's, we had uh, Left Bank, and uh, you name the kind of local establishment. And we tried to connect with them to be able to act as a service. And what was cool about it is we automated the whole process so they didn't have to be in person. But then yet the value add was they got a free you know, commercial, 30 seconds, a minute, but it was their story. And so it was not just trying to sell something. It was the next level of being able to then tell your story as Kittles and thanking the community for the work that they've done. But hey, you can come in and still do this or do that, and, you know, whatever it might be that they want to kind of individualize to that. So it's relevant work. It's something that's exciting, but also there's a lot of creative freedom. And so that's important because I want the kids to be able to kind of take that next level. It's not me pushing them. That's the beauty of it being an elective is that fact kids come in and find it. And then they're expired to be able to do things that they really love. And that all changes too, 
right? So as you grow and as you experience different things, you recognize these core skills are transferable to anything and everything that you're going to do in life. How do you hold their attention for more than five minutes? I mean, I could see it with your class, you could do it, but like a history class, like how do those teachers do it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, so it's challenging. And as you can imagine, the last year and a half has made that uh, much more real. Uh, so I actually teach um, two social studies classes as well. Uh, and so we redid the whole entire curriculum of the freshman class. And so it is about relationships. It's about trust. It's building that, which as you can imagine for the incoming freshman, really difficult to be able to establish that. But you know what? I'm always kind of the optimist. That's why I get into teaching, right? Is to be able to kind of think about how can we make this better and, and improve things. And what I found, and I talked to a local psychologist about this, is that she saw an actual drop in the girls specifically that came into her office complaining about anxiety and kind of peer pressure because the positive of everything being on Zoom is the fact that you could kind of be, a, you know, you take away all of the, the stuff in the hallway, right? So you don't care as much about what people look like and other things kind of were removed and you could actually connect as human beings. And so there are some positives kind of in that. And in social studies, we delve into those kind of topics and challenging issues and to be able to kind of have an opportunity to talk about both sides and to be able to think about how can you research and understand and, and critically think about everything that you hear, including, I tell them, what I tell you. It's important for you to be that citizen who is thinking and engaging various points of views so that you can really deduce and go, okay, what are the facts and how can I then support an argument and build an argument through more traditional ways. And so a lot of it is that kind of creative control as well as giving the students um, kind of ownership in their learning. And that's how you engage them. Me standing up and talking to them, that's super boring. It really is. We do that by breaking up different elements, but really giving them ownership and their own um, ability to be able to create projects. Uh, and so project-based learning is honestly the solution to the boredom because it's not one way facing, it's not one conversation and then you do this like we learned and traditional learning is, um, but we have opportunities and the school has done tremendous work over the last 16 years I've been there to move away from the old model, which is the authoritative, I'm the expert, you're not, and you listen, brain dump, and then you tell me back on the test. We all know that doesn't work. In fact, it's really interesting education now as a whole, you see you know, colleges getting rid of ACTs and SATs, and no matter how you, you feel about that, like. The disruption is real and it's good because this is becoming more personalized and more about the student and truly how each student's different. And that's the beauty of the technology. The technology then enables that personalized learning to take hold. And then you can do a lot of cool stuff within that. Uh, and so thankfully at Lake Forest High School, we have a lot of really dynamic teachers who have totally embraced this. There's a lot of other teachers I know in other places and spaces, uh, particularly higher ed who are very much like, nope, I just wanna keep doing it the way I did it for 50 years, uh, but the world's changed. And like we said before, we're preparing these students for a new world and that old model doesn't work. You can Google that information and find that specific information. It's really about how do you assimilate and, so and problem, problem solve by using prior knowledge to be able to then negotiate that, communicate that output, and then to be able to, what my passion is, is to show that in a dynamic way and to be able to do a personal reflection. So you're writing out, and then you voice it, and then you add visuals on top of it to be able to show and demonstrate your learning in a more dynamic way and filling in, you know, ovals or be able to stand up to your point and, you know, be super afraid to be able to present to a room. Now let's no normalize this and let's kind of level this up based off the technology. Let's use that well, while still focusing on the real core skills that are the most important things that'll, you know, prepare our kids for the rest of their lives.
You know, you're bringing up mental health, which is a r- real big issue. I, I own a mental health company and the people that I talk to in the, in the school districts, I, I don't hear them talking about, when they talk about budgets, I don't hear about budget increases for the counselors, the special needs kids. Uh, I mean, we've gone a year and a half now of going offline, disrupting the cycle, the routine. And uh, I don't know, maybe Lake Forest is, but a lot of the high schools, grade schools, you know, there's a lot of kids that are going to come in with a lot of issues and the budgets aren't there for the counselors and the psychologists to help those kids out. You got any thoughts on that, Steve? Yeah, you know what, I would say uh, one of the wonderful things that Dr. Holland, who just uh, moved on from here, uh, going out to uh, Naperville, that was a huge focus uh, that she had, uh, and rightfully so. And so I would say from her six years that she was at the high school, that was one of her top priorities. And she did an incredible job of thinking of every single kid in the building, every human in the building, uh, but particularly every kid. Uh, And so she actually did build in a tremendous amount of support as well as, you know, tiers of support. She's a really strong systems thinker. Like she was able to build out different systems to be able to support all kinds of kids. In fact, that was her kind of biggest passion. And so I would say, honestly, Lake Forest High School is positioned in an incredible way, not only now, but going forward to support every single kid. Uh, And that goes, you know, absolutely through special ed, through um, kind of understanding how every kid can learn and how can we scaffold and support within the classroom. So there's a lot of co-teachers and there's a lot of other folks who are in the classroom. So again, away from the sage on the stage model and going, okay, how can we have more professionals there? So that student who is feeling, you know, anxious or doesn't feel like they, they connect and are involved, there's another professional adult in the room who's looking out for that kid while things are happening, right? It doesn't have to be a pullout model of like, okay, that kid needs to go. Sometimes it does. But a lot of times you can you can be proactive in that support. And she was very active and very thoughtful. And honestly, I would say the, the board, you know, previous boards, they supported that. Um, and that does take a lot of resources. It does take a lot of money, um, but it's money well spent because not only does that Absolutely. support the kids who are most fragile, but honestly, it reinforces the kids who, quote, have it all together in that moment, right? And we all mm-hmm. know adolescence is the hardest time in life because you're trying to figure out your identity or you're getting pulled and pushed in so many ways. You have so many hormones that are impacting that. You need a lot of support. Oftentimes, I would say before Shayla came in, it really did come down to kind of your friend group or your, your clique. But I would say through these different elements and very intentional thinking and honestly, very proactive, like further ahead than everybody else is thinking, she was able to build in those, those structures. And I give her full support on that, but also Patrick Sass and Dr. Sasson did an awesome job of, you know, building and breaking down walls between the counselors and social workers and really bringing like a mesh support system to be able to kind of next level. Again, every kid, not just right. the most vulnerable in that moment, but that kid who's taken four APs and then they hit the wall. Yeah. We don't talk about that kid often, right? Until they're in real trouble and no, let's support them by making sure that they understand there's a new media involved, right? That we need to do more of that, to be honest, is like, hey, there's not just one route to go. We need, you need to take full advantage of these other classes and, you know, forget about the, you know, the tail that wags the dog of college admissions. And all I care about is what I'm being told that the bumper stickers around town and, you know, all the pressure that they feel, that's our next kind of nut to continue to crack is like, okay, no, no, no. This is a, a personal fit decision finding where you're going to, you know, succeed best, not necessarily just what 
everybody else kind of parades around town. Sure. No, I, I got to tell you, Steve, <laughs> I mean, Lake Forest is a great high school and the teachers in there are great. And also, and I got to tell you, working with you indirectly, so to speak, and then seeing what you do with the kids, you're one of the main reasons why it's been such a successful high school for the kids experiences and all that. So, you know, hats off to you, all you guys do there. And it's phenomenal. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. One of the great things that we do in class in new media is we interview a bunch of other teachers. Uh, and I have to say, it is the most inspiring thing that I've kind of, we do, because I get to bring in all kinds of teachers from all different subject areas. And they're equally passionate, but they're also equally focused on yeah. the student. Uh, and honestly, before our current communications director, who's doing an incredible job, we struggled with this. We struggled to communicate how incredibly impactful um, the student experience was, how varied that was, you know, and how individualized that was, but how many great educators we have in the building who are truly doing this at an incredibly high level, but also they're thinking well ahead. They're leaders in their spaces and they're in, you know, around the country. And we need to, and that's why I appreciate you guys amplifying this because oftentimes people drive past and go, hey, it's a beautiful building. Oh, it's so great. The kids are awesome. Yeah, great. And I think the teachers, yeah, yeah, yeah but they don't fully understand that. And that's what I get to do is bring them in and we ask them questions about their interests, right. their background, very similar to this. And you get to see it. And it's so in, like encouraging because there are so many great, great teachers at Lake Forest High School. As I've talked about all the time, like there's, there's definitely, you know, in every occupation, you've got that percentage of kind of people who are like, ah, that's how I've always done it, and, you know, whatever. And that's all shifted, right? In the business world, but in education as well. And so when I came in, I was shocked with how many teachers are that engaged and that like high performing at the high school. And honestly, it's just continued to, to be in the high 90% tile yeah. of like people who love what they do and they come to the school and they are ready to like make things happen. And honestly, that's, that was my story. I didn't grow up here. Uh, I grew up in St. Louis, born in Northern Virginia, uh, but I did my research and I would say this is another thing that we need to continue to work on. And I love again, the way that, the communications department has continued to present Lake Forest High School as a place, a destination for people to come at yeah. like the highest possible level. And so I came from ESPN, went to grad school and then came in and I had an offer from Evanston, from Nutrier. And then oh, I was going through the process of Nutrier and then Lake Forest. Those are the kind of people you want to be able to be at your high school, right? Uh, are the people who you're pulling away from Nutrier, you're pulling away yeah. from other really top schools. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we're, we're there but we still need to do even yeah. more. Um, right. I'm not saying Stevenson because Stevenson, that's kind of their highest priority is to like promote themselves, but there's a middle there to be able to continue to show and tell all the great stories that are going on in our school. Well, I think another value add you bring is you're part of the community. I mean, yeah. You live here and you know how it operates. And, and that's a big, I think a big value add, you know, for you. Too. You know what? And that's the biggest challenge too, because we all know the cost of living is really, really, difficult and to be able to live in the community. I think I'm one of maybe nine or 10 at yeah. the high school out of 150. That number needs to change, honestly, yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. because just like police, fire, other folks who are here as public servants, you need to have those people that you run into at the grocery store. And there's, exactly. there's just good stuff of accountability of that kid riding down the, the sidewalk. Who's going to say something to that kid? When, you know what I mean? I'm, like I have no yeah, problem oh, doing yeah. that. <laughs> when I was growing up here, it, it was, even if it was summer or whatever, we're running into teachers. We're doing our thing. Yes. It's, it's a whole different mindset, I think, of education when you do see those teachers out and about in the community. 
and they're coaching and they're serving yep. continuously. Right. And yeah, I love how all kinds of different people step up and serve, but you're right. It's part of the fabric. And honestly, I feel like we've, we've lost that a little bit. Um, oh, when yeah. I first came in, it was, there was probably 25, 30 teachers uh, who lived in Lake Bluff or Lake Forest. Um, and so that's something that I think we need to kind of talk about as a community and really evaluate and value. And that, not only the teachers, but that, you know, the firefighters, the, the yep. police, uh, again, growing up was a different world when I was growing up, but everyone lived in the community. So you, yes. you knew everyone and that's, that's it. You know, and that's a value part. you have to put money behind, right? You have to put resources right. behind. You have to be intentional around. Otherwise, you know, there's just a, there has to be a balance to the economic, you know, elements. Of course, I love, you know, capitalism and all the rest, but you have to also put structure in to make sure right. the values yeah. are represented. And that's, a, I think, an important thing for people to really start talking about. I don't even know if it's in the, in the public discourse. Um, it just kind of happened. And right. there's got to be a way to kind of make that work. And again, I don't think it's a lack of desire. In fact, I know it's not a lack of interest and desire from teachers. Um, it's just a pure economic play. Right. Money. Absolutely. Oh, S Steve, you know, any other teachers that you think, I think this is a good angle, uh, teachers that teach electives you know, to, to put a spotlight on, do you have anybody that we could reach out to next that you could recommend that we could, you know, help them out? Get more Absolutely. Kids? You know what? Uh, absolutely. There's so many great um, teachers. Carolyn Bielski lives here in Lake Bluff as well. She's one of those 10. Uh, she's yeah. doing outstanding things, just dynamic work. Her kids are going through the high school. I've got yep. two middle schoolers about to go through the high school. Again, those are the, the fabric folks. And I would love to connect you with them because they are, they're Perfect. really dynamic, credible, creative, inspiring people, to be honest. Um, they make our community better. Uh, the work they do in the high school is one of those things that the kids need to know more about, the parents need to know more about, so that they do make that intentional move. Because it's so easy, especially under the high academic pressure at the high school, to go, I'll take a, you know, a study hall or two study halls. Yeah. That's the biggest kind of obstacle to electives. I'm going to take two study halls. You're like, okay, what? you need to fully understand the impact of that decision. Number one, that kid has like three hours during the day where they're not doing anything. And guess what they're going to be doing? Uh, yeah, see, yeah. I'm just going to be messing around, right? No, like they're, dude, they're doing their homework. <laughs> <laughs> you know, their homework on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I wish were legal is cell phone blockers. You can get them from China. You can shut down a classroom. Ah, I just wish. Anyways. <laughs> well, you know what? On that, actually, that's an interesting yeah. thought because um, obviously I teach new media. Uh, and so I am fully and have been, we need to figure out how to teach our students how to use the most incredible invention and device in, the, in our generation, right? So there's one thought of like, okay, we just need to get rid of it. And honestly, the more that I continue to wrestle with it, I think there's more validity to that. But also, where are we teaching responsible use of a phone? You guys sit in meetings with other people and they're on their phones, right? So adults yeah. don't do this well. Uh, and so it's like, okay, how do we not only demonstrate that but also how do we show how to be able to balance use of that tool um against all the momentum of the algorithms as well as these businesses who are incredibly thoughtful but also manipulative in the use and trying to get people to be more addictive uh with the use of their phones um but to your again to your point that's where i'm like okay it is addictive in nature and that's the way they're setting it up to be able to continue to rise their quarterly profits i get it right but with our adolescents who already have impulse control challenges, maybe it is something we have to kind of go more draconian and be like, all right, we're just not going to do it. Um, but again, that, that needs to continue to right. be sorted out because they need the skills. 
to be able to build the discipline, to be able to turn that off themselves, just like anything else. It's complicated, but it's something we need to talk about. Steve, we, we got to bring you back, man. You are a cool <laughs> dude. I'm going to tell my nephew, you got to take his class. Well, well thank you. It's, it's honestly a class that I never had in high school. Uh, it's something yeah, I always I, wish I could have. Telecom. Um, but yeah, exactly. No, telecom has been around for 53 years. I uh, used to be in the basement. Uh, Scoot, yep. when you were there, I'm assuming, did they do the, the more, the, like the lunch DJ down in the, in the basement? Was that something oh, God, that no. you went through? We didn't, we didn't okay. even have that. I mean, it was, you know, you didn't, people would come up and be like, what are you doing down in the basement? Oh, there's stuff on the computer, you know. And they liked it that way. They're like, don't come in. <laughs> Telecom used to be like, oh, they're doing the music for the plays and all that. <laughs> yep. Some of the tech kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what year did you graduate again? Um, 82. Okay. Yep. So part of that. So did you spend some time over at West Campus as well then or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Two years of it. <laughs> Two years of fun in the sun. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, no, we actually did a, a documentary on the on the 75 years of the school, probably six, seven, eight years ago. And it was quite funny because we interviewed all these different alums and oh. nobody knew exactly like when West Campus shut down because everyone just kind of blocked it out of their whole like memory. I think it was, I think it was uh, 83 was the last group to come through there. That's hilarious. I've heard 78. I've heard 79. I've heard 81. I've heard 83. Yeah. I remember because my brother was the last class that uh went there so that was 80 well he i'm sorry he graduated in 83 so his sophomore year would have been 80 okay uh, 81 or 80 yeah. yeah yeah no it's uh but they yeah it was it was quite the place beat um it's full, <laughs> foremost known if you haven't heard this the best line is the fact that they hired the foremost like prison architect in the world at that time to be able to design west campus so oh. everything, it looks like a prison and everything has like curved like areas. And so kids could just, you know, hide wherever they want to. It was like the most depressing place ever. It was painful as a freshman going there because everything was the same when every corner you turned was the same and it was just chaos. You didn't know you idea to, where you were. You had to know where your locker number was. And then at least you could look at the locker numbers. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> or, or when the, where the. Media, the media center was. We knew where that was. <laughs> that was the library. Is that right? Is that what they called it? Yeah. You're talking to an inner city kid, so I'm see that right there. That's 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 my violin playing for you guys. <laughs> no, but, but you know what? But but Pete, here's the thing. It, being from the inner city, you actually yeah. went to a school. This place was crazy. You could not figure out even where classrooms were. You know, that's prison. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how Microsoft built their campus. You know, you're supposed to be smart. Take a tour of that place someday. Oh, oh, man. we're on a we're on a bad tangent now. <laughs> Steve, Steve, we thank you so much for coming on the Lake Forest podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks you, thank awesome. you guys for doing this. Uh, I love it. Um, I listened to a, an earlier episode. You guys were talking just about. I think it was Art who mentioned just the the media desert of Lake Forest, uh, and yeah. it's true. Um, again been here on and off well lived here on and off uh, for the last 16 years and i've seen you know lake forester go away and see all the different local outlets that have popped up and then gone away so thank you guys for offering that um kind of resource as well as uh getting again people's stories uh that's what we do that's what i love yep. to do uh and it's so powerful to connect our community especially without that traditional media and again i'm not bemoaning and saying oh we need to bring back traditional media we need to keep thinking about new media. Like how can this be effective and how can you connect more people? 
uh, because that's really what media does at its best. It informs, but also really draws people together in powerful ways. And so for our students to be you know, engaged in that, um, I appreciate you guys trying and working through this. And so I'd say, keep working on it, keep making things happen. Hey, Steve, you need to can that your class and bring it out to the public because not just for kids. Yeah. You should be teaching this out to the general population in Lake Forest and Lake Bluff, Knollwood, because it's fantastic. Everyone benefits. Well, thank you. Um, that is something that honestly that Vince and I were thinking about, talking about, um, is going, hey, how can, how can you do that? Um, how can you make sure that these values as well as the skills, um, you are transferable because you're spot on, you know, thinking about LinkedIn, think about um, the way that you present yourself professionally. Uh, these aren't just skills for high school kids, although this will totally differentiate the high school kids as they go through a very competitive college process. But yeah, how can you do that professionally? Even the older community, because they have to use oh, the technology amen. that they have no idea how to use. And, you know, Lake Forest Place, all those places so benefit from you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, that's, I know one of the business incubator um, programs tried to kind of do some of that work too, which I think right. is fantastic. Um, and I think you're right. There's a need. Yeah. And actually, actually, that's one of the cool things I'll mention just in closing. Um, Lauren Fabry, who went through the program, took all eight semesters of the program. So you can repeat new media as well. And so she oh, wow. ended up doing, um, she said, 150 projects wow. in eight years. And most of those were her senior year and junior year as she was doing professional work, getting paid in the community to be able to do these things uh, at a really high level. Um, so if you guys see the like the superintendent's videos in the last yeah, six yeah, months, yeah. Yeah. she was producing that. Uh, and so she would work and sit down with her own equipment, totally separate from me. And she would interview them and take all the skills she learned in the class, but be able to give back to the community in that unique way. But also like all around Drone Nation, all kinds of folks in the community really adding value. Um, so to your point, just really being able to engage. Um, the community is a big part of what we do. Yeah, uh, Steve, we, we we haven't even touched your work with 1871. I mean, oh, and show and tell, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that again. Uh, we'll do it another time for sure. Right. I appreciate okay. you guys uh, you guys taking the time to do this. Well, hook us up with those teachers, those electives. Uh, we'll keep whoever wants to come on, man. We got to clue clue everybody in. I love okay. it. No, it's a, it'd be a huge asset and a huge benefit, honestly, to the community, um, especially the kids coming through. Uh, everyone knows it's a great resource, but they don't know all the different aspects because there are so many great things in the high school. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete, and I can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below with all the other links to Steve's work uh, as well. On behalf of my co-host, Scoo Walker, we thank you for listening. And if you really, really like us, you can always buy us a beer on Patreon. Cue the band.